Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He's the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of sports, so we definitely want to interact with you. Swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join in the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there. We interact with everybody. Check out Parlay Points. New blogs are dropping this week. The T Public Store. New designs are up right now. You don't want to miss them, and definitely keep your eyes out when they're going on sale, too, because you never know when that happens. It does happen quite frequently. That's the perfect time to grab some ODPH swag. It helps the podcast out. All of that, so much more, odphpodcast.com. And always remember to use on social media, the hashtag ODPHpod. So kicking off the sports edition like we always do, it's NFL recap time. Yeah. The week that was, whew, there's a lot to digest this week. So we let's break down our locks and leaps first and foremost, shall we, Pat? Uh, I got I mean, I guess if we have to, I had an absolute dog shit week for locks and leaps. Uh, my lock, I chose Arizona, and they ended up losing to the Detroit Lions by the final score of 32-12. Uh, Jared Goff, 21 of 26 for 216 yards passing, uh, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Kyler Murray, 23 of 41 for 257 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Is it time to panic in Arizona? That's the question. I, it's over the button. I don't know if I'm necessarily pressing it yet. I'm definitely not pressing it, but this is a bad loss. Yeah. This is an extremely bad loss, especially for the Cardinals, who, let's face it, are a much better team than show, that what we saw on Sunday. Uh-huh. Like, this is kind of mind-blowing to see how Detroit, the 2-10 and 10 and 1 team before this game, or I mean 1-11-1. One, 1-11-1. One, one and 11 and one. One and 11 one. Yeah, they're so far down on the list of contenders, it's not even funny. Uh-huh. But yet, they found a way to punch Arizona in the mouth. See, I'm so shook up, I can't even read numbers right. Yeah. This is absolutely mind-blowing to me. This was a trap game in my head. That is the only way you can describe it. For Kyler Murray and company to play as bad as they did, it's really a sign of caution. I would not hit the panic button just yet. It, they just got really bounced back in the following week. See, I don't put this on... The offense at all. The offense, a little stagnant, only 12 points. But you look, Kyler Murray, like I mentioned, 257 yards, one touchdown, one interception. But, you know, that's not anything really to worry. Nothing super crazy. You know, nothing to worry me about. You know, Chase uh, Chase Edmonds was their leading rusher, six carries, 53 yards, no touchdowns. All right, nothing fantastic, you know, but Arizona has never had a fantastic running game, in my opinion. Right. You know, and then the receiving core, Christian Kirk was their leading receiver, nine, carry, nine catches, 94 yards, one touchdown. Zach Ertz, six uh, for 70. Four no touchdowns. AJ Green four for sixty four no touchdowns. So I don't think it's necessarily on the offense. It's just hey they they might missed a few throws, couldn't punch it in as much as they want to. I put it more on the defense because I'm sorry, Craig Reynolds. Who the hell are you? Yeah, uh, leading rusher for Detroit. Twenty six carries, a hundred and twelve yards, no touchdowns. But he averaged uh, in case you can't 
figure out math that quick. He averaged 4.3 yards a carry. So the man was, you know, average, basically averaging, making it second and five if they ran on every first down. And then you look, flip it to the receiving core. Uh, Amon Ra St. Brown, again, who? Mm-hmm. Uh, eight catches, 90 yards, uh, one touchdown. Josh Reynolds, six catches, 68 yards, one touchdown. They both averaged 11.3 yards a catch. So basically, every time they caught the ball, it was a first down. Uh, Khalif Re- uh, Raymond, you know, two catches, 20 yards, no touchdowns. So every, the two times he caught a ball were first downs. You know, then you had Shane uh, Zykstra, uh, one catch, 16 yards. You know, so there was a first down. That's the more concerning thing to me is this defense just giving up that much yardage to the Lions. Yeah, that's definitely a pause for concern. I definitely agree with that. But the biggest factor, too, on the offensive side for the Cardinals, there's no DeAndre Hopkins. True. And it, At least it, to the playoffs, right? At least for the I playoffs, think it's the playoffs right now. But you never know. Injuries are, are kind of a weird situation. Yeah. So you don't want to rush him back too soon. you got to make sure he's at 100% because we now see the problem if he's not on the field. Right. Who's going to be the next man up? I mean, Christian Kirk had a game, sure, 94-1. Yeah. and one, that's, that's nothing to sneeze about. But is that enough to really get them over the hump in the playoffs? We're facing no. much better competition than a Detroit team that, listen, trying to figure out their record and who this team is is a complete enigma to me. Uh-huh. Like, I'm just sorry. Like, looking at Detroit, they are a bad team. The fact that we have a, we've had a tie with them this season. Yeah. They've only had one win prior to this game. Yep. It's insane for me to try to break down how this team, being as bad as they were, beat arguably one of the best teams in football. Yeah. like it, it, And I understand upsets happen, sure. Sure. But to get punched in the mouth 17 to nothing at halftime? Yeah. That's a true telling sign. Like, your offense is not clicking. Nope. Detroit is shutting you down. They got their offense moving in a direction. Jared Goff, listen, I've never been the biggest fan of him. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know my feelings about him. But he was looking like an elite quarterback against this team. And that's the, the wildest takes I have for this. That for Detroit, oh, yeah, I mean, they're playing with house money. They're not expected to win another game the rest of the season. They're that bad. But for the Cardinals, yeah, you don't hit the panic button just yet. But, but Fingers over the button. Well, you have to kind of have it hovering around because if you're going into the playoffs right, and you're losing to bad teams, when do you start turning it around? Because you have to flick that switch on the minute you get in the playoffs because it's one and, or one and done. It's not the way you want to go out. You yeah. have to go and you have to win every game outright. Losing to the bad teams like this, sure. You can say, oh, we got it out of the way now. It's nothing really to be that super concerned about. But I want to see now how they're going to step up with Hopkins out because we now see him out of that lineup. Do they have somebody that can take over a game? Uh, right now, no. And it's definitely not. Arizona, as good as they started, they're not in a position where they can kind of just like, hey, you know what? We're still going to make the playoffs. It's still going to be fine. We're still going to get the division. You know, we can just coast. No, you really can't because I'm looking at the NFC West right now. Yeah, they're still in first place with a record of 10 and 4. The Rams are right there at 9 and 4. And then mm-hmm. you've got San Francisco in third at 8 and 6. And Seattle's there in last place. And then you flip it over to the playoff standings where Arizona is technically in the four seed over in the NFC, but that's just based on the fact they're, hey, they're a division leader. Uh, the Rams are right behind them at the fifth seed, and then the 49ers are right there at the sixth. And then you've got Minnesota and uh, New Orleans at seven and seven, Washington right there at the ninth spot at six and seven. So, like, you can't really take your foot off the gas. No, you can't. And this is going to be a, something that 
Arizona is going to need to address ASAP because if you're going to go into the rest of the season like this performance against the Detroit, you're one and done in the playoffs. Uh-huh. No no factors about that. DeAndre Hopkins did so much for your team that it is clear as day you don't have that option for somebody to take over a game. Right. A.J. Green is not the same A.J. Green that we've known him. He's be. a good receiver, but he's not the takeover a game A.J. Green anymore. Exactly. Zach Ertz has never been a takeover tight end. No. Christian Kirk, sorry, not that guy. So if you don't have a running game, which is very well known, uh-huh. what are you going to be bringing to the teams that you're going to be facing in the playoffs? That's something that they need to find out ASAP. And looking at their schedule, do they have the time to do it? Hey, it's going to be tough because uh, this coming Saturday, Christmas Day, uh, they are at home playing the Indianapolis Colts. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Uh, week 17, uh, they are traveling to Dallas to play the Cowboys. And then week 18, uh, they are at home against the Seattle Seahawks. It's going to be a quick turnaround for the Cardinals. They don't have an option. Yeah, no, they really don't because you could very well look at that. You, I could see them losing to Indianapolis, mm-hmm. you know, so that would knock them to 10-5, and five, you know, and then I could see them losing to Dallas, which would knock them to 10-6. and six. Yeah. They need to have some answers and have them quick because if they put up another performance like we just saw against Detroit, they are going to be one and dones in the playoffs mm-hmm. wherever they find up landing. Like that is how bad this performance was, and especially for a Detroit team that is an enigma. They are in a puzzle. Yeah, they are somebody that listen. They should not even be on the field. They are that bad. I know I'm going to hear some flack about it because we do have some Detroit fans that listen to the show. But okay. listen, I'm going to be very honest. There is nobody on that team that scares you. No. Nobody. I mean, they play for the head coach, which is which is awesome and great, you know. Oh, it's going to be great, and but. The, and the head coach is always fired up. But, like, if I'm looking at the roster and does anything strike fear to me, eh, not really. No, Jared Goff has always been overrated, in my opinion. I've never been super impressed by what he's, he's done. He's serviceable. He's serviceable. That's the basic definition of him. Like, that's how you see him play. Like, it's serviceable. It will get you through games, sure. Can he manage? Yeah, times. I mean, we saw what he did with L.A., but then look at what they did when they upgraded Matt Stafford. Right. It's it's very clear about his level of skill. So how is that going to shape up? Detroit, I mean, we don't have to say anything just other than worry about your draft picks and then see what happens next season. Yeah. There's nothing to describe about it. And like I say, no matter how you want to break their numbers down, and like I said, it's so weird for me to say that they have two wins. Yeah. Because like I almost thought I was misstepping when I talked about him at the beginning of the show. Oh yeah, the fact they got two wins and a one tie yep. is mind blowing to me because that is how bad this team is. Oh yeah, they're they're not good. So we'll have to kind of see what they do in the off season. And then you did mention the Colts. Yep. Wow, did anybody see this coming? Pat McAfee probably. Maybe McAfee because well he's a former Colt. Yep. Pat, I, I don't like to bring this up, but we have to talk about the game because this was your leap and my leap as well. Yeah, this game was fucking ugly if you were anything but an Indianapolis Colts fan uh, because Indianapolis won by the final score of 27-17. Uh, Carson Wentz, 5 of 12, 57 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Mac Jones, 26 of 45 for 299 yards passing, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, and got a note, Jonathan Taylor, 29 carries for 170 yards, uh, averaged 5.9 yards a carry and uh, one touchdown. Okay, first and foremost, I have to address Bill's Mafia. Uh-huh. And I, I I, don't think that you saw this on Twitter. I know that uh, fellow Patriots fans like Joey DiCarlo from So Wizard yeah. didn't comment about this, and uh, Wonder Souls one as well. Listen, for any Bill's fan that got on Twitter or social media and was saying Mac Jones is overrated, 
He's a bust. Look at this game. The true Mac Jones showed up. I want to remind them. Do we forget what the Colts did to us? I remember. I know you do. I remember, and I'm sitting there watching Bill's Mafia getting all wound up like they just had some tables freshly cut and delivered. About the same. I want to, can't remember the exact numbers, but about the same yardage, but four more touchdowns. Yeah. That they were all going, Mac Jones is overrated. He's been exposed. Look, we have been saying this on this podcast for quite a while. It, the Indianapolis Colts are the most boring team in football, but mm. they win. Yeah, they do. They don't do it pretty. This is about as textbook as you get. Jonathan Taylor is a very, very underrated running back that is now in the MVP talk. That O-line is underrated because I watched up until the start of the third quarter when Mac threw his second interception. I turned, mm-hmm. the, ga- I turned the game off, you know. But fuck the Dallas O-line. That indie O-line is fucking nasty. Yes, they are. Because our the, the New England front seven ain't nothing to slouch at. They're not, you know, the steel curtain. No, or, sure, sure. You know, or or the Packers of yesteryear or anything like that. But, like, our front our front seven ain't bad. That fucking indie O-line was moving our defensive line back two, three yards before Jonathan Taylor got through there on every single play. Mm-hmm. It was fucking insane and it's kudos to the special teams you know going i think it was like the indianapolis first punt, or no second punt you know the defender coming through and blocking the punt you know and returning it for a touchdown you know so kudos to the special teams but then just the defense of reed and Macwell and the two interceptions you know is it a bad game yeah i mean it's a loss so it's not great he still had 299 yards passing and two touchdowns which ain't bad you know it's he's gonna take lumps he's a rookie he's gonna learn from this yeah that's what i was saying i was seeing so much slander going at him i'm going are, are we watching the same game this is a bad game for a rookie that a better team showed up this day and we say this about the colts and i can't stress this enough they're not flashy. No. They're not going to be putting up a million highlights for their dynamic offense. It's as smash mouth as it gets. The only one who does it maybe a little better is Tennessee. But Jonathan Taylor is making his case for MVP. He took over this game, 170 yards and a touchdown. He did what he needed to do for this team. Yeah, I pulled up the stats from the Bills game. 32 carries, 185 yards, four touchdowns, averaged 5.8 yards a carry. So almost the same identical stats, mm-hmm. just minus three touchdowns. Right. You know, so Bills fans, this is the same fucking running back that ran down your goddamn throw. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget, oh, you're shitting on Mac Jones. Let's not forget, Mac Jones only threw three fucking passes in the game against the Bills a couple weeks ago and still won. You had the fucking ball run down your throat 45 times. You knew it was fucking coming, yeah. and you still couldn't stop it, weather or no weather. Yeah, that's one thing that I took away from watching on social media. I'm like, our Bills fans, shut up. This is coming from one of the biggest Bills fans you'll meet. The disrespect going against this team was nuts. And I'm just sitting there watching... And seeing Mac Jones did get picked apart by their defense. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. Listen, the Colts are a playoff team. They're going to sneak in there. I think they might wind up sneaking that division out from Tennessee. 
Could happen. I mean, Tennessee currently in first place in the AFC South at nine and five. Indianapolis, though, is right there at eight and uh, eight, eight and six. six. You know, and then looking at the playoff standings, you've got Indianapolis, or excuse me, Tennessee's the three seed, and Indianapolis is the five. Yeah. So this is not all the Roma thought that they could bump up and get that three spot. Oh yeah. And that's the one thing that for the Colts to get in the playoffs, they're going to be one of the scariest teams in there because they're not going to do it pretty. They're going to get in there. Carson Wentz is not asked to do anything. Nope. And in fact, if you can find a team that can shut down Jonathan Taylor, you have a chance. Uh-huh. But that defense is deceptively good. They play on both sides of the ball extremely well, and they put on a clinic against the Pats because what they did is they took Mac Jones out of this. Even, like, like I said, Mac threw for 300 yards almost. Yeah. Still, he had a bad game. Oh, yeah, bad game, and they also took the running game out of it. You know, right. uh, Damien Harris didn't play, was out with an injury. Uh, you know, and then you had Ramondre Stevenson was the other back who 10 carries, 36 yards, no touchdowns, like 3.6 yards a carry. That is what helped. You know, you took Mac apart, you know, you held it, you contained him really. Yeah. And then you took out the running game. But still, I mean, did they really contain him if he had 299 yards passing? Yeah, like, yeah. like, that's the thing about it. It was just for everybody. It's like, listen, he's had a bad game. But his stock is so high Oh yeah, with the with the team and the company of fans. Yeah. Like, listen, he had a bad game. It's allowed to happen. Like, I get it. I'd ask Bills fans to look in the mirror and tell me Josh Allen has never had a bad game. Exactly. Jacksonville. Hi. Yeah. I'll bring it up right now. But just seeing that slander going on, and then it's like, we do we need to give them bulletin board material going in next week? Uh-huh. That was the one thing that it really struck me away because, listen, the Colts did what they do. That's the easiest way to describe yeah. this game. There really isn't any highlights, though. They're just a Jonathan Taylor. Let's say about the Jonathan Taylor and then that dude on defense who, I guess, I forget the gentleman's name. You know, he blocked a punt and then returned it for a touchdown. You know, it's the second time he's done that in, a se- in this season. Which even the I think it was uh, the broadcasters were like, when is the last time that's been done twice in a season? You mm-hmm. know, it was, yeah, that was just nuts. So Taylor and then that dude on defense. Yeah, I mean that's the highlights for the Colts, but that's a typical Colts game. Like that is the big take home with that. If you're not fully be- buying into it, EJ Speed is the dude's name. Um, yeah, okay. That's the whole thing about them is they have a team of I don't want to say virtually nobodies, but let's be honest. They go out there and they ball. Yeah. There's no egos that we've seen on this team. I mean, you've got T.Y. Hilton, who's, you know, a name, but it's not anything special this year. Right. I mean, he's only got 16 catches, 196 yards, one touchdown. Yeah, I mean, he's a non-factor. Yeah. I mean, that's just how crazy this team is. But it's also based around Jonathan Taylor. Like, if you take Taylor out of the game, you can beat them. Sure. So you take Taylor out of the game now without knowing how the run differential would split. Take Taylor out of the game. Ashen uh, Doolin, two carries, 39 yards. Carson Wentz, eight carries, 17 yards. Mm-hmm. You know, And then the passing, uh, every, uh, five pa- catches all by Zach Pascal, T.Y. Hilton, Naeem Hines, Michael Pittman Jr., uh, and Jack Doyle. You know, And the leading receiver was Zach Pascal with 23. Yeah. So once you factor all that in, look, the Colts are for real. They beat a very good Patriots team. Yeah. We don't take anything away from that. And then seeing what they're going to do moving forward, this could get a very, very interesting. It's not all the realm of thought. I mean, if the cards fall in their favor, they could wind up getting the number one seed. 
it it's very it could be very interesting just because I'm looking at the Colts schedule uh, this coming Saturday. As I mentioned, they have the uh, Arizona Cardinals in Arizona. Uh, week 17, they're at home against the Raiders, and then Week 18, they are down in Jacksonville playing the Jaguars. Uh, and then just because you brought up the Titans, uh, their last three opponents are they've got the San Francisco 49ers coming up uh, this Thursday. Uh, that's a home game. They've got another home game against Miami Dolphins Week 17, and then Week 18, they are down in Houston playing the Texans yeah so So this this could come down to one of those weird ass you know x y and z could be this way if you know if if a b and c happens that you always see the end of the season yeah week 18 wow that sounds so weird saying yeah could be a huge one Mm -hmm. for a lot of different reasons yeah so we'll have to wait and see how the Colts do. And obviously the Patriots got a dance partner next week with Buffalo. Yep, they got Buffalo uh, this coming uh, Sunday. Uh, after that, week 17, they've got the Jacksonville Jaguars. Both are These both are home games. Uh, and then they close out the year uh, week 18 in sunny Miami. At least I hope it's sunny, uh, playing the Dolphins. Uh, they need to shut down Miami in more ways than one. I do not want to see Miami get to the playoffs, and that's for personal reasons. Uh-huh, I know exactly why. And I'm just going to leave it at that. So let's talk about happier things. All right. Let's talk about those Buffalo Bills. Yeah. So 31-14 to 14 was the final against the Carolina. Can you even call them a team, Panthers? I mean, officially, yes. Yes. On but paper, maybe not. No, but this was a good win for Buffalo. You got the stats? Yeah, so uh, Josh Allen, 19 of 34 for 210 yards passing, three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Cam Newton, uh, 18 of 38, 156 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Hey, Buffalo actually had a semi-decent running game. Devin Singletary, 22 carries, 86 yards. Uh, And then Gabriel Davis was your leading receiver, five catches, 85 yards, two touchdowns. Count them, two. I'll take it because this was the team that we needed to see. They played very solid. Score probably should have been a little bit higher, but hey, you know. Yeah, but I'm not going to complain too much. Because, oh, understandable. Because for the Bills to come back from some very bad games lately, and yeah. I know that everybody's writing them off for dead, they obviously needed this game. It was a big one. There's no question about that, and yeah. especially against a Carolina team that could have played spoiler. Yeah, they could, le- yeah. They legitimately could have, but like I said, who on this team scares you right now? Christian McCaffrey's not there. Uh-huh. Cam Newton is not the Cam Newton of old. Cam is so bad, and I mean that with no disrespect. Cam's so bad that there were talk and there were maybe some whispers leading up to the game that you might see, if if he was cleared, you might see Sam Darnold in this game. Yeah. Like, that is how bad this team is, that there is nothing exciting on Carolina right now. But this was a game that the Bills could have been caught in a trap game. Legitimately. Yeah. Because one thing that we've seen from this team this season is they play down to the level of opponents. The fact that the Jacksonvilles beat them. Yeah. And this team could have gotten away with it, too. Because, I mean, at halftime, it was still 17-8. Right. Even though Josh was having a good game, except he threw a bit one bad interception, which is like, oh, that does scare me going into next week a little bit. But, like you touched upon, they actually got a running game going. Yeah. Singletary got more than 20 carries. I'm, I'm flabbergasted by that. Didn't crack 100, but, hey, you know. Yeah. But is something about this team that when you can get the run going, at least balanced, there are possibilities. I'll say the old Madden audio from previous Madden games where you know, all the run sets up, everything is running through my head right now. But it's true, though. And for oh, the, yeah. And for the Bills' offense, that's what they need to do. I understand the running game is not good because we need a true bruiser back 
to really open up some holes for Singletary to slide through. Zach Moss was supposed to be the guy. He isn't. Sorry, he just is not. Bereda, listen, I'd love to say that he is going to be the guy, but I don't think he's going to be the guy either. For Josh Allen, he's doing everything he can, but yeah. eventually he can't do it. But at least that opens up the passing game. And thank God Josh actually looked at another receiver not named Stephon Diggs or Dawson Knox because he's had tunnel vision for them for the past three games. Yeah, Gabriel Davis is a very good receiver. I mean, is he a number two, three? I'd say probably closer to a three Sure, on the depth charts. But with Cole Beasley not going to be playing this week, and we'll get to that a little later in the show, Davis is going to be relied on to be that guy and step his game up. And he's going to have to play that role of a two or a three to balance out Stephon Diggs. He has to. And I think he will. It's just Josh has to get in his head, if Diggs is not there and Knox is not there, I need to find another receiver. Well, yeah, because you got to figure most defenses, even competent defenses, are going to double-cover Diggs. Mm-hmm. You know, Knox is going to do whatever he does, you know, and then you got to find a th- you got to have a third guy because mm-hmm. if if Knox and Diggs, like you said, are covered and, and Beasley ain't there, you got to have somebody to throw to. And listen, tight ends are great security blankets. Can't do it every time. No, you can't do it every time. So for them, they definitely were getting into their groove. They beat up a bad team. So this is something that the Bills needed to get back on track because that AFC East got very, very close. Yeah. And too close for my comfort. Well, obviously, the Patriots still being in first place. Yep, 9-5. and Miami is coming out of nowhere. But then again, look at their schedule, though. Miami, uh, third place, currently on a six-game win streak, a record of 7-7, and pulling out their schedule right now as we speak. Uh, They have beaten the Houston Texans, Baltimore Ravens, uh, the New York Jets, the Carolina Panthers, and the uh, New York Giants. So I like... And the Jets again. Yeah, so I liked them better when they were the Denver Broncos who started out 3-0 and for everybody that was anointing them as like, oh, this team is on fire. Look at the competition they faced. They're about to get punched in the mouth in back-to-back-to-back-to-back weeks here, just saying. Uh, they've got this coming week, they've got the New Orleans Saints on Monday night. Week 17, they're down in Tennessee, or up in Tennessee, I should say, uh, playing the Titans, and then week 17, they're playing the Patriots. Uh, win streak is nice and all, but you're about to get punched in the mouth. Yeah, so I, I think... We can calm the victory parade for 2-0 right now. So you're saying you can put the champagne bottles back on ice? I would say so for him. I mean, he. I, I will say this, though, in all honesty. I'm glad to see that he's now having a little bounce back in yeah. Miami because I how they disserviced him in the beginning yeah. of his career. I yeah. mean, it's nice to see him rebound. I'd love to see him leave and get a real shot somewhere else. Yeah, that would be, that would be good. But I digress, but I don't see them overtaking the Bills in the playoff spot. No. Because, I mean, it's, it's going to be a tight spot for whoever is not winning the AFC East. We already went over about New England. Yep. It's going to be a very tough challenge. The Bills now have them coming up this week. Yep. And that is going to be a very big game for both teams. Yeah, oh, yeah. So if you thought the first go-around in the windstorm was something, expect more fireworks in Foxborough this week. So I'm pulling up the weather. Uh, weather forecast is for partly sunny skies. <coughs> Excuse me, and a high of 41. Yeah, so it'll be a little better for the Bills <coughs> to play in, so we'll just kind of have to wait to see how it pans out. And then for the rest of the Bills' schedule, it is a little bit favorable. Sure. I got to say that, though. Uh, they got, like I mentioned, uh, New England next week. Uh, after that is Atlanta at home and then the Jets at home. Yeah, so on paper, it's favorable. Yeah. 
Could Atlanta pull something out? Yeah, they've been known to. They've been known to. Just not in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Can the Jets do it? Maybe. It's division. I'm not feeling comfortable about that game. It's division, and up till uh, Zach Wilson decided to throw like a million interceptions, they were looking pretty good, at least the first couple series against New England in the first game. Yeah, so, I mean, anything is possible, but for the Bills, these next three games are must-wins. And I'm treating the Patriots game as one because... Oh, absolutely. If they don't win against the Patriots... We already said Miami's got New Orleans this week. Yep. So I don't want to get into a situation where even though the Bills did sweep Miami, Miami could still hang on around there. Right. So this is going to be a must win for them. If they're going to be real contenders, they got to take it to the contending teams. And the Patriots are a beatable team, but the Bills need to play smarter than they did. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Miami, though, is I'm looking at the AFC playoff standings. Buffalo currently in the seventh seed, New England in the second seed. Uh, the thing with Miami is they're in the 11th seed, and they're behind both the Raiders uh, at the 10 spot, uh, Steelers at the 9, and then you've got Baltimore at the 8. Yeah. So even if Miami were to somehow miraculously win out, they would need a few things to happen. They would need a few things to happen, but for the Bills, I think they need to put that nail in the coffin and really just drive the point home about, like, if we're contenders, we need to play like contenders. Right. They have to do this. So it'll be an interesting week moving forward. So that being said, let's take a quick lap around the league. Now, we do have to note, as we were recording, there are two games that were pushed back. Yep. So Washington and Philadelphia have not played yet, and neither has Seattle and the Rams. So uh-huh. anything noteworthy about that, we'll definitely be posting on Twitter at OD Parlay Hour this week. But kicking off the recap, though, Kansas City. I don't know what I feel about this team because I'm still not buying them as contenders. I just think the Chargers are that bad uh-huh. in decision-making because I don't understand a lot of their actions they did in this game. The fact Kansas City won in overtime 34-28. to With, like, half the defense around Kelsey. Yeah, and let Travis Kelsey get the game-winning touchdown. Like, it's, it just makes no sense to me what this Chargers team is doing. Like, I realize Kelsey zigged and zagged, you know, more than a video game. But still, like, some dude on defense couldn't at least make an attempt at, like, Superman leaping at him and trying to knock the ball out. Like, seriously? They just let him walk in. Patrick Mahomes did Patrick Mahomes things. But I'm still not scared of seeing this team in the playoffs. No. I'm really not. The Chargers, listen, are a solid team. They're not great. No. But they're solid. But I'm not scared of, like, what I saw from Kansas City against them. So what are you going to do against a better team? That's going to be the big X factor moving forward. But Kansas City got another win, so they're getting back into their playoff swing of things. Yeah. I have to watch to see how that pans out. Miami, we just mentioned, barely beat the Jets 31-24. to Uh-huh. I don't know if you want to be bragging about that win or not, but it's a win. Hey, it's the division. Jets. It's easy. Exactly. Houston upset Jacksonville. Jacksonville is actually four-and-a-half favorites. Jacksonville locked in the, uh, with the Lions winning and then losing on Sunday. Jacksonville has locked in the number one overall pick for the upcoming draft. Yes, and they'll have a new head coach to deal with that. Urban Meyer is no longer captaining uh-huh. the ship in Jacksonville. Um, smart move, I think, at that stage for Jacksonville. Cut ties and hit the reset. Coach Shuffy is filling out his application as we speak. Yes, he is. Uh, but with that team, I don't know. I mean, there's so much damage done. You need to get somebody in there that can really rebuild that franchise. You have, like, one bright, shining spot of, like, hey, there's there's something to build around, and that's Trevor Lawrence. The rest, that's got to go. Yeah, the rest is completely revamped. Uh, Eric Benemy from Kansas City, the offensive coordinator, I think would be a perfect yeah. fit for Jacksonville to retool that offense. The defense is not the worst. Yeah. But when you're on the field as much as they are, yeah, you're not going to win games. And that's kind of how it sums up. But Trevor Lawrence with him, I think you might be able to salvage that kid's career. Just putting it out there. 
Then taking a look, Dallas, 21-6 over those New York Giants, speaking of Coach Duffy. Uh, what else can you really say about Dallas right now? They're starting to click in, and their defense. I know we always talk about Trayvon Diggs. Uh-huh. Micah Parsons. Yo. How good is he playing right now, real, real damn good. Yeah. Got to say, shout out Penn State. Yeah, I'm going to say, he is definitely helping this team along. We I know at the beginning of the year we were saying Dallas's defense was very sus but look at the damage they have been oh, yeah. doing oh yeah and that's the real big takeaway from this team is like they are definitely stepping up doing what they need to do and i'm telling you this team is not a joke by yeah. any stretch if they get in the playoffs that 10 and 4 record is legit oh yeah and you have to be happy if you're a dallas fan obviously though i know the offense did not look the best nah. per se but then again, it's division, it's the yeah. Giants, and I know obviously the Giants, listen, just want to get to the end of the season. That's yeah. at this stage. I don't know what's going to happen in that offseason. They have a lot of issues to go through. Yeah, I mean, hey, the Giants did have a bright spot. That one-handed catch Barkley had was awesome. Yeah, I'll give you that. That you one-handed know. catch was worthwhile. But, I, I mean, if you were expecting any great things from the Giants when you had Mike Glennon as your starting quarterback and then Jake Fromm, you know, State Farm here, you know, also getting some game time in, the, in there, you know, you should lower your expectations there. You know, no disrespect to Glennon or Fromm, but they're nothing really to write home about. Well, Fromm has never really played he's been on the bills practice squad for a while until he wound yeah. up in new york yeah and glennon is glennon i mean yeah listen it is what it is we don't sugarcoat things here so enough said about that cincinnati yeah barely won out against denver this game killed my fantasy team uh not the best stat line for burrow and company yeah. but a win is a win against denver because denver well denver is denver so you can just kind of leave it at that pittsburgh yeah. With the come-from-behind win against Tennessee, our very own Rich from 3FN and Crazy Curtis Gaming were down at the game, which you believe was actually Curtis's first game. Uh, yeah, I believe that. Also, hey, shout-out Tennessee. Dancing on the fucking Pittsburgh field. Why? Like, you didn't realize how well, how badly that went for last week with the, what was it, the Raiders? Mm-hmm. You know, back-to-back weeks, the team does that, and then they get their ass kicked. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to give an opposing team more ammunition to go out there yeah. and get fired up. Yeah. But Tennessee decided to play with fire and they got burnt. Pittsburgh looked solid. I mean, obviously on the Big Ben farewell tour. Yeah. I don't know if they have enough to get the playoffs. Probably not, but uh, let me take a look. It's they they need a lot of luck. Yeah. No, they do. Uh pulling up the standings. Uh yeah, Pittsburgh is currently third place in the AFC North, 7-6 and 1. Uh, and then flipping it over to the playoff spots, they are currently in the nine seed uh, behind Baltimore at the eight and then Buffalo at the seven. Yeah, so doubtful they'll sneak in, but you never know. Yeah. Crazier things happen. This saying, yeah. And, and, hey, like you said, it's the Big Ben farewell tour because, hey, he's about as mobile as a tree these days. Exactly. San Francisco defeated Atlanta 31-13. to Yeah. In the most puzzling game of the week, I guess I would say, Green Bay – Held off Baltimore 31 to 30. Why are we going for more points when we can just kick the field goal and be done, Pat? Uh, I have no idea. That's questionable decision making, in my opinion. Yeah, I understand Jim Harbaugh wanted to take a shot and do something here, but. Especially when you have the most accurate kicker in NFL fucking history. Yeah. Until, until the announcers mention that, and then he misses. Yeah, the failed two point conversion is not going to do anything. Like I say, if you got a kicker that can nail in points, whether it's a field goal or extra kick, give it to him. 
the fact that you want to roll the dice like that. Yeah, when you got Tucker, who's about as accurate from another state as anybody. Yeah, just go for the easy points. You didn't have to really push that envelope, but yet you did, and it backfired. Now, granted, if they nailed it in, sure, yeah. you win. Yeah. But there was a lot of questionable calls in this one, in my yeah. opinion. Well, like, hey, one questionable call they didn't have, Mark Andrews. 10 catches, 136 yards, two touchdowns. Yo. Yeah, he, he definitely balled Ooh. out. He definitely looked great. One of the best tight ends people need to be talking about that they really aren't. He had a game. But like I said, Harbaugh definitely, I know he passed up on another field goal earlier in the game too. And yeah. I was like, yep. oh, I, I, I just I don't understand that logic at times. I really don't. But no. Is what is. Green Bay gets another one. They have locked up the playoffs, so they're definitely going to be sitting pretty going into January for yep. that. In one of the most boring games of the week, I would have to say, New Orleans – Beat Tom Brady, shut him out. Yep, nine nothing. How are you feeling about that, Pat? Uh, listen, it, Tom Brady is human. Uh, you know, New Orleans won. You like you said, nine to nothing. Brady twenty six of forty eight, two hundred and fourteen, uh, zero touchdown, one interception, and one broken Microsoft Surface tablet. Yep. Uh, you, then you had uh, Ronald Jones the second, eight carries, sixty three yards. Uh, Chris Godwin six catches, forty nine yards, no touchdowns. Tyler Johnson four catches, forty one, uh, no touchdowns. Uh, on the other side for New Orleans, you had Taysom Hill, 13 and 27, 154, no touchdowns or interceptions. Uh, Taysom Hill, also your leading rusher, uh, 11 carries, 33 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, Marquez Callaway, New Orleans leading receiver, six catches, 112 yards, no touchdowns. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay, obviously going to have some issues because they're out, what is it, Godwin? Mm -hmm. Godwin's done for the year with an ACL injury. Uh, also getting, I, and I don't know why they're doing this because this just, hey, breaking news, just came across my phone about 10 minutes ago. They're signing Le'Veon Bell because reasons. Yeah, I don't necessarily know if that's a smart idea, but you, you know, know. So they're signing Le'Veon Bell. You know, he's got a uh, pen, and you know, he's this is pending a physical, obviously. Mm -hmm. You know, but then they're also getting back Antonio Brown uh, this week, who's going to finish his, uh, who has now finished his three game suspension for uh, his antics. You know, so they're trying to plug the holes and fill the gaps with more superstar free agents because this is at this point it's Madden with the budgets turned off. It just is a little puzzling about Tampa Bay trying to reload. But, you know, they're going to do what they're going to do. Yeah. Like, that's the thing about them. I know with Tom Brady, they definitely want to get some talent around him. But Bell there? Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. Like, yeah. I, like, I just, I don't necessarily think he's going to be the answer. No. But, you know, they do weirder things down in Tampa Bay. But This is true. So I'm going to have to wait to see what happens about that. Uh, and then in, in there, it's got to be an upset. But, obviously, Cleveland was COVID-plagued. Yeah. So oh. a lot of their starters were not there. Obviously, they went with their third-string quarterback. Almost beat the Raiders. Yeah. But the Raiders wound up sneaking a win out. Yeah. Especially late-minute or late-game heroics with a field goal. The Browns, I know they had some chances earlier, did not punch them in. Mm -hmm. That's a costly loss for them. Yeah, costly. Oh, uh, that's why they're signing Le'Veon Bell. More breaking news: According to Adam Schefter, uh, Fournette is likely to miss the rest of the regular season with a hamstring injury. That's why. Okay. Well, that makes more sense. Yeah. Then. Yeah. That may, that was like I said when I read the Le'Veon Bell news, I did not have the Fournette news, so I'm like, why the fuck are they signing Le'Veon if they've already got you know the guys they do? They're not going to have Fournette. All right. That, that makes more sense. Yeah, it definitely makes more sense for that. But I tell you what, Cleveland though, oof, 
That is a bad Heart, heartbreaker. Heartbreaking loss. Obviously, they did play out of their minds, considering how bad oh. their roster was beat up with yeah. everything going on. Like I say, you can't fault them for the effort they gave. Yeah, but it was just like they had their moments. They should have cashed in. They didn't do it, and that field goal that they had their chances to do. You know, if the Browns had actually won, yeah, they would have been. In first place in the AFC North, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let me see. Uh, bah, 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 bah. So Browns are currently seven and seven. Uh, that would have put them at eight and seven. You know, now assuming everything else went the way it did, uh, the Pittsburgh is seven and six. So it would have put them ahead of that. Uh, it likely could have put them in first place. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that would definitely be in seeding. Now Cleveland is scrapping to get into the playoffs. And that is not going to be an easy road for him. But like I said, that field goal did impact him too much. And like I said, the Browns did have some chances early, but you know, it's you can kind of just second guess everything at this yeah. stage. It's just when a game is that close and when it comes down to a game winning field goal yeah. for the Raiders who listen, they did what they needed to do. They're they're hanging in there for the last minute of the playoffs. Yeah, they're currently the tenth seed, uh, Cleveland the twelfth seed. Uh they're only one team ahead or one yeah, they're they're only one. This their second team not eliminated yet. You've got the Jaguars, Texans, and Jets all eliminated. Denver's behind Cleveland, not eliminated yet. Cleveland also not eliminated yet. Yeah, so I mean their roads are going to be definitely tough to get to the playoffs. Yeah, getting in that log jam of the eight through eleven seeds. Yeah, is not going to be a fun one. Yeah, no, there's great team a, to sneak in. There's a lot of teams there, and there's not a lot of rooms even even up to the six. Because you've got the L.A. Chargers at the six uh, seed at eight and six, Buffalo is at the seven with the same record, uh, Baltimore's at the eighth seed with the exact same record, Pittsburgh's at the nine at seven and six and one, the mm-hmm. uh, Raiders are at ten at seven and seven, Dolphins are at the eleven at seven and seven, then you've got the Browns at seven and seven. Broncos are at 7-7, seven and seven, so there is not a lot of breathing room. No, there isn't. So, like I said, that game really hinged on that kick the Raiders made. Had they not done it, yeah, different story. But, you know, that's that's how the games balance out, too. And then to close out the week, Chicago. Oh, oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. As soon as that season's done, that team's getting blown up. Uh-huh. Minnesota winds up getting the win 17-9, to nine, yeah. keeping their playoff hopes alive. But, listen, against the Bears, it's like – what were we really expecting? Anything different? No, I mean, hey, Justin Fields, decent game, uh, two eighty-five and one touchdown. You know, average seven point three yards a pass. You know, running game wasn't anything special. Only sixty yards from David Montgomery, uh, no touchdowns. Uh, Cole Komet uh, was your leading receiver, seventy-one uh, yards, no touchdowns. So decent game from Justin Fields, but just the rest of that Bears team is just awful. Yeah, so there's no, they really had no chance to pull this one off. No, in my opinion. A lot of headlines coming out of the NFL this week. The playoff picture is getting a little bit hazy. Yeah. You never know who's going to be sneaking in, sneaking out. So definitely hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. Give us your reaction to week 15 of the NFL. Can you believe it's week 15 already? Hard man? to believe. Hard to believe it's week 16 and so few positions in the AFC are not solidified. Yeah, it's a wild time in the NFL, but let us know how your team is doing, how you think everybody's going to shape up. We definitely want to have that conversation. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Ah, yeah, Brian Wayne here, your host of the Cheers to Comics podcast, the podcast dedicated to delivering the most current content in the world of comic books. So whether you're looking for the most spectacular interviews of the creators that make the things that we love, 
or you're looking to maybe line your pockets with some speculation, this is the podcast for you. So tune in on Mondays and Fridays, and you are guaranteed to never miss a beat of the pulse of this amazing, amazing comic book industry. Cheers. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast and time to talk some wrestling. Wrestling. So it's a pretty heavy AEW week, Mm -hmm. but there was one WWE story that broke that we definitely want to address. Yeah. Kevin Owens has re-signed with the company. Uh Uh-huh. Now, we did go over this a little bit on 607TWS, which you can find on all podcast platforms and on Twitch. But since Pat is in studio... I want to get his official take. What's your reaction to Kevin Owens re-upping with WWE? Not really surprised. I mean, as he said in an interview or something after it got announced, it's it's been his home the last six, seven years. It's where he's most comfortable. It's been great for his family. You know, the deal is for supposedly multiple years and in the neighborhood of like two to three million a year, mm-hmm. which is freaking great for him. You know, but it, I, it makes all the sense in the world. He's comfortable there. He knows everybody there. Let's face it. You know, could he have gone to AEW and had a great run? Yeah, probably. You know, but I think he's in a great position in, in WWE because, yeah, he's not in the title picture 12 months out of the year for four years consecutive or something like that. But he's still featured on television on a real regular basis, you know, might be not there a couple of weeks because he might have to ask for the week off or something with the family, you know, but he's still featured on television and in storylines on television very regularly. So it's a good spot for him. Absolutely. Like Rich has called this for a while too on 607 TWS. And, right. you know, I got to give him his flowers since he's got, he, he's called this shot for a long time. Kevin Owens was not really seriously leaving for AEW, in my opinion. Okay. I think what the deal is. We've seen a lot of negative PR, and rightfully so, sure. coming from WWE with all the crazy-ass releases they've done sure. over the year. And we've seen the big defections from Adam Cole, baby, and Brian Danielson. Yeah. So I think the temp in the room was everybody wants off the WWE ship. And I can understand that. Yeah. But in the same token, Kevin Owens put it out very eloquently. He's thinking of his family. He's up there in age. Yeah. You know, the deal is with AEW, well, if you're not on TV, you can go work the indies. Right. At this stage in the game, as cool as it would be. I don't think he wants to put himself and his body through that again. Yeah, and I think he's earned that right to call the shot. And he's and he's going to be making a serious amount of coin. So it makes sense for him. Yeah. Like, that's the big thing. It makes sense for him. Like, as fans, do we get some dream matchups? No, but you know what? It's okay because... Yeah. WWE still has a talented roster, what's left of it. Oh, yeah. So it's not like we're not going to see him on TV, not going to see him featured. He is a Vince guy. Yeah. It's very clear about that. Well, and I know that's been one thing that people are like, oh, somebody always could be released at any given time. Vince loves the guy. Yeah. Like, he ain't going to get rid of him if he loves him. No, that's the whole thing. If, If Owens is drawing to him, Vince will keep him. That's how Vince works. And he understands Kevin's role in the grand scheme of things that Vince has for the picture of WWE, love it or hate it. And I think Kevin understands the picture too. And he knows where he is at this stage. And I think the big thing was, yeah, you could go to AEW, sure. Could you be wrestling some other friends of yours? Yeah. Yeah. But at the end of the day, is that what you want at this stage? Well, and especially, I think, you know, obviously, given his age, he's got more years behind him than he does ahead of him. Oh, and, sure. And and you go through the lineage and some of the matches he's had on in, in, during his indie run as Kevin Steen, and just the amount of punishment he put his body through, mm-hmm. he would have to start doing that again. And I don't think it... I think we all hit a certain age where... 
we just know our bodies are just won't respond like they used to and won't take the same abuse they went through they as uh, your younger years. Whether you're a pro wrestler and an NFL player or just an average Joe. Yeah. You know, you just hit that point in age where my body just can't move and operate the same way it did. I think he's reaching that point and yeah, he can still do an insane spot for a pay-per-view every now and again. Sure. But I don't think he wants to do the I don't think he wants to do that on a regular basis again because hey, that fucking hurts. Absolutely. And plus I think that he's also looking at AEW and going, "Okay, if I went there, where do I fit in? in? In like you mentioned, Adam Cole over there. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, oh my God, this is going to put AEW on the map. Boost the numbers. Huge. The fuck has he done since he's been over there? They haven't really kicked started him in a program yet. Yeah. And, and now I will say, I'm saying this as a WWE guy, NXT guy, but let's call a spade a spade. Adam Cole fucking carried NXT for like two years mm-hmm. by himself the fuck has he done like this is a guy who and, and i know other people have said it you know so i'm not the first person to say it but adam yeah. cole adam cole carried a brand for an entire fucking year if not two and he's done jack all since he got over there which kind of bums me out a little bit well i think what they're trying to do is figure out where all these new free agents are coming in and where they're going to fit in the roster like that's the one downside you have to such an inflated roster that AEW does have. And, yeah, and, and I mean, if you're trying to capture the the Bullet Club, you know, with the Bucks and Adam Cole and Kenny Omega and, and all that again, this ain't fucking 2012. Like, mm-hmm. that, that was all fine and dandy then. I don't think it sells as much as it did then. Well, that's the one argument that they have right now is what are you doing with the roster you have? And I think this will be kind of a great segue to go into we had a big event on their program this week. Right. And that was AEW Winter is Coming. Yep. So not a pay-per-view-esque, but you can treat it as an NXT TakeOver-like event. Sure. Where they do have some title matches going on. And I think this kind of brings into the sense of like, okay, you have these free agents come in, one of which being Brian Danielson, and what are we doing with him? Uh-huh. And let alone how that's meshing with your world champion, your homegrown talent, the one the fans have been saying the storyline has been built up for two years is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. And Hangman Adam Page. Yep. We finally have Page's first ever title defense with Danielson. Right. To kick off the show. It's a two-hour show. They start at 8 o'clock. And then what do we get, Pat? Uh, they went for, they had a 60-minute time limit. Uh, they went the entire time limit. So it was a 60-minute time limit draw. So... First and foremost, the match is a five-star match. Okay. Match is excellent. It, I have no issue about the in-ring work between those two. They had great chemistry going on. Uh, however, though, hated the finish. Okay. Here's the problem I have, and I'm just going to ask you. I know you're not biased sure. towards AEW, but you'll give me an honest answer. Sure. If you were a world champion uh-huh. and your first-ever title defense uh-huh. against anybody on that roster. Yeah. Goes to a time limit draw. Yeah. What does that say? What does the optics say to you? That's a loss. Yeah. Um, that, that, that you could take the greatest, you know, UEFA Premier League, whatever league you want to do in, in Europe, soccer players, you know, you pull them out of the timeline all in their prime, match them up, you know, however many on however many. And if it goes the full 90 minutes to a draw, that game fucking sucked. Like, I don't care how great it was and if I saw some of the greatest soccer players of all time play each other. Like, if it's a draw, fucking sucks. Like, that's a lo- like that's a loss. You know, what, 60 minutes, congratulations. You know, you went against Brian Danielson. 
you know, and went 60 minute time limit draw. That's a loss. And what the fuck are you going to do from there? Because I, it, that is something that you build up to. Mm. I don't think you lead off with that. No, I don't think they should have let off with that. I thought what they should have done looking back at the program, the first night that he came out with the belt. Sure. He should have had a title match against somebody. Sure. And, and at least I, get one under your belt. Yeah, and when I say you know, what I said, I don't mean like they shouldn't have let off with that. I don't mean for the show. I mean they shouldn't have let off with, you know, if this ends up being a trilogy or a series of matches, mm-hmm. not let off that series of matches with a time limit draw. I would have been okay if, you know, page one through some shenanigans and like kind of like a bullshit ending, like, oh, the ref missed it. Like Danielson's foot was under the rope and the ref missed it. Like I'd have been okay with that. Yeah. You know, because, oh, hey, shit happens. But like 60 minute time limit draw, I don't care how good the match is. Like that sucks. I also have a problem with it that they just had a time limit draw with Danielson against Kenny Omega. Right. Back, you know, when they debuted in New York. Like I, this is a very bad booking choice in my opinion. And, and and maybe it's just me. I feel like 60 minute time limit draw. I feel like I just wasted my time. Like as good as the match might've been, I, f- I feel like I wasted time. It was deflating in the ending because you have to kind of go, where do we go from here? And that's the problem that they're going to have moving forward. Right. Because you had some people waiting in the wings to take on the winner of that match. Right. Well, if your winner was a draw, there you was would, no winner. You would think logically you're going to run that back. But what do you do? But that's the problem you, you now have on your hands. So Wednesday, hopefully we'll get some clarity about it and kind of see what the temp in the room is going to be. I just don't necessarily know how this is going to shape up because you do have certain contenders waiting in the wings. Yeah. And you have to start moving the roster around to keep things fresh. But with Brian Danielson... Now having two time limit draws against the champion at the time, right? Where does he go from here? Like it's almost like he can't get the job done. Yeah, like that's kind of how the optics is doing. And he's an internationally known and won a bunch of titles around the world. You're telling me he can't get it done? Come on. Well, that's kind of the argument that some fans are having now too. I mean, I just think that it's a bad story look to do unless the ultimate goal, which I have a feeling they're going to go with, is a triple threat at Revolution in February. Between Page, Omega, and Danielson. Yeah. And like I say, but I but I have that exact same reaction, though. Yeah. I don't want to see that because I think that, one, you've now gone to two draws with Danielson. You need to do something with him and have a clear – like, he has to get his first loss. Yeah. What they should have done is have Page win against Danielson, have it be close, like – the ref didn't like you touched upon like Danielson like under the, the ropes, under the rope, ref didn't see yeah. something like that, and they should have done that and then moved on from there. And then you can kind of go to the draws, and then you can kind of mess around with that. But to do back to back draws with Danielson in a title match, even though the one was non title, yeah, it's still a bad look in my opinion. Well, and I mean this is my issue with AEW bringing in some of these guys, you know, Adam Cole, Brian Danielson, CM Punk. If you're not gonna put the fucking belt on them, you gotta have them put somebody over. Like, especially in the Danielson and Punk aspect of things. And sure, Danielson helped put over Adam Page a little bit. Mm. But that, to me, it took a a knockdown a few pegs, given the ending. You know, Punk, if you're not going to put the fucking belt on him, you have to have him put guys over. And to me, as now, admittedly, I don't watch, but I still keep track and I still see what's going on. To me, he's not putting guys over. And Adam Cole is sitting and catering for all intents and purposes, in my opinion. He's not doing anything. Well, the only thing Cole is doing right now is they have this weird super click, which is him and the Young Bucks versus the best friends of Orange Cassidy, Trent Beretta, who just came back, and uh, Chuck Taylor there. So it's kind of like this weird 
face-off they're doing. Yeah. I don't necessarily know if it's clicking as well as they would hope it would. I think what they're doing is just waiting in the wings with Cole before they finally start pushing him. I think he's happy working with the Bucks in this program because sure. it, it's kind of like a low-risk, low-reward right now Right, that not much is being expected from him. And I think what AEW wanted to do, and I, and I don't fault them for this idea. Sure. Obviously, if they pushed all their new guys to the title, what would everybody said? Oh, they're just pushing WWE guys. Right. So I think they want to try waiting around with it a little bit, but I think they're going a very unique route to do right. it. Right. And I'm not saying they got to push, you know, Danielson, Cole, and Punk to the belts all at once, but you've had them all for varying degrees of time. You could have done at least one of them. Yeah. I mean, they've all been there since August. So if Danielson is the first one out the gate, what are the other two doing? Because, I mean, that's how you're going to measure these guys because they all came in at all all out. Right. So you now have to kind of say, okay, how is this all shaking up? Your ratings have stayed level. Yeah. They have not exploded as much as you have. Or as some people thought they would. Right. So what what is plan B going to be moving forward? So that's why this event was so important to see how it was going to shape up going into changing the TBS for Dynamite. And they do have a couple more events coming very quickly. Bring back Don Callis. <laughs> Allegedly. Some people say he's the ratings man. I don't know. Allegedly. But looking at the rest of the card, though, for a pay-per-view, though. Yeah. Well, a pay-per-view-esque event. We have yeah. to you know, highlight that. Yeah. What we have up next. Uh, next up was a matchup between Matt Seidel and Wardlow. And you had Wardlow pin Seidel in a minute and 26 seconds. Yeah, so this match should not have even been on the show. Yeah. Sorry. I'm... If you're going to schedule only four matches on the card give an hour to one so that would tell me because uh dynamite's what two hour show mm-hmm. you so you've you still got another hour you know the other two matches i'll say now went 12 minutes and 21 seconds and then 12 minutes and 32 seconds so that right there is with taking the seconds out that's 24 minutes you've still got with tv in an hour at least 40 minutes so you've still got at least another 16 minutes to, yeah to play with why did you only give another match a minute 26? They're really trying to push Wardlow. And I like I understand that he is considered one of their homegrown talents. Sure. But still, it's not clicking enough that you should give him primetime spot like that. Because yeah. it was a squash match. Like, he gave Seidel three power bombs. Right. And then was done. They could have taken that off the show. They should have taken off a lot of the promo spots they did, including this one very cringeworthy one, in my opinion, with the Varsity Blondes, because unfortunately I don't think they're ready for interview segments. It was a bad segment. Is it weird every time I hear Varsity Blondes, I think of the Spirit Squad from WWE? Uh, not necessarily, because their gimmicks are kind of like the okay. school spirit type deal. All right. But I just, I, I'm sorry, like I don't think that that was a good promo segment. To like, and I'm not saying the Varsity Blondes are the spirit squad. It's just every time I hear Varsity Blondes, I picture the spirit squad in my head. Both those gentlemen, and Julia Hart too, have very big futures in the business. I just think that they're not ready for that talking aspect right now. Right. Because it was a ba- it was bad. It was just bad. But there were also multiple promo spots during the show too, which you've now taken away an hour of your programming. Time is limited. You need to really hone in on driving the matches because unfortunately the loser of the night and this should have been a big winner was Sheeta and Serena Deeb. Right. Well, that's that, and that was your next match up where you had Sheeta pin Serena Deeb in 12 minutes and 21 seconds. And that feud has been absolutely amazing too. Right. It has a great story with it. They have great in-ring chemistry. This should have been given a lot more time to work with. Yeah. But unfortunately it wasn't. And you can see they rushed through it. Oh, okay. And that was my biggest issue with this match is they were definitely knowing that they only had 
probably maybe 15 minutes could knock down to 12, which is a lot. Right. So they were trying to really dance around with that, and they definitely were doing what they could do. I wouldn't mind seeing this get ran back, like I said, at some point, but I think the feud is done for now. Yeah. So we're going to kind of have to wait and see about that. And then we had a main event, yeah, if so, you want to call it that. Yeah, so this was uh, between Dante Martin and MJF, and this was for the Dynamite Diamond Ring. Uh, we went over it on last week's show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had MJF uh, submit Dante Martin in 12 minutes and 32 seconds. So this match was not bad. Okay. Uh, Martin is a high flyer. Uh, he was a little overshooting some spots, but MJF covered him up, though. Okay. I mean, but the thing is, Dante Martin is one of those guys that is the future of the business. Right. He's going to be a big name down the road. Like, okay. he, he definitely is is on that way. MJF is the right now. This made perfect sense storyline-wise, albeit, though, we had FTR come out. Right. And then the lights went out. Uh-huh. And this was the biggest issue I think a lot of people had is... There is an online feud going on right now between the Briscoes and FTR. Right. The Briscoes fought FTR at Ring of Honor's final battle. Right. So when the lights went out, that crowd was expecting the Briscoes. Right. Or, or anybody, because let's remember, last year at Winter's Coming is when uh, the lights went out and weird effects is when Sting debuted. Right. Well, they got Sting and Darby Allen in the ring. Right. And you could hear the 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 air let out of the room. Okay, like it was a very like everyone's holding their breath, like oh shit. They're like, oh, Oh. like really. But so they have their fight. Then CM Punk comes in to save the day, and now we have set up a six man tag for this coming Wednesday. Right. So that being said, it's going to be an interesting show coming up this week because they are really hyping up about Wednesday happening. Yeah. But I guess, Pat, let me ask you quick before we jump into Wednesday's preview. Sure. What did you, overall, winners coming, you're hearing this secondhand. What is your kind of vibe from this? I mean, I've honestly, I feel like last year's was probably better just because I feel like there was a lot more excitement and people talking about it, you know, with Sting debuting in, in the matches that took place last year. I feel like this one was kind of like a bit of a lead balloon almost where, like, I know – you were expecting a lot and we're expecting, you know, especially leading off with the title match at the start of the show, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I know I th- either Rich or you said they did that last year, but still like leading off with the title match, it kind of leaves you go, oh shit, they might, something wild's going to happen at the end of the night. Yeah. And for it to just be what is, what happened feels a little bit like, you know, a bit of a letdown in all honesty. And like, and I wasn't even watching that. Like I'm sitting here going, oh shit, lead off with the title match. Something crazy going to happen. Really? That's it? Okay. Yeah, no, I had the vibe that it was a letdown. Like, that's my honest to good opinion. Right. That just how the match ended. And it, it, I'm sorry, like, it was a five-star match. It's fantastic until the ending. And that's the takeaway you have from every single wrestling match. It could be great for 45 minutes, but that last minute, it could be terrible. Yeah. And that's what everybody talks about. Uh-huh. That was a situation there. Too many promos they had, including they have one for Malachi Black, who's now rumored to have introduced Brody King who is uh, heavily rumored to be signed now mm. with AEW, which if he is, that'll be a big win for them too. But they're also going to fall into where where is everybody wrestling now. Right. Because there's only so much time on shows. Um, the Wardlow match we could have done without, like I said. Yeah. And, and Deeb and Sheeta, I hope it gets ran back sometime soon. But The Wardlow match was essentially a piss break, but without enough time to actually go to the bathroom. Yeah. And then the, the main event was a little bit of a letdown too. I mean, even though with MJF, who's doing amazing work, I think the AEW brass, in my opinion, is thinking that Sting and um, Darby Allen is is more over than they are as a team. Right. 
And we're relying on nostalgia a little bit. Yeah, and it's just like it will get you so far, but now the big highlight going into this week is what happened. Right. Is a six man tag team announcement and everybody is losing their mind allegedly. Right. That CM Punk is teaming up with Sting. But we have the preview of the card, so let's break that down, shall yeah, we? Yeah, so uh, this is the matches taking this is the stuff announced uh, taking place this Wednesday on AEW Dynamite Holiday Bash. Uh, you've got Orange Cassidy taking on Adam Cole. Maybe. Yeah, so that, that one should be good. I like both Cassidy and Cole, uh, so that, that one should be fun. Uh, you've got Malachi Black taking on Griff Garrison in the matchup that is burning up the internet and everyone's excited for. Yeah, that one is the follow-up to what happened with Malachi Black's uh, spraying the black mist yeah. in Julia Hart's face, so Griff Garrison wants to defend the honor and of his team and and go fight Malachi. Which I have a feeling, and I know Rich was saying this too as well. Julia Hart's going to join Malachi Black. Oh, okay. And you know what? I'm here for it. I think that that'd be a great uh, pl- you know twist to her character and let her join that team. And yeah. I, I think maybe we'll see Brody King. Maybe if the internet really wants to get amped up about it, I think yeah. they should. But it really just depends on what they want to do for it. Yeah. But that match should be Malachi all day, one and done. Yeah. Shouldn't last too long. Uh, you've got Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Tony Schiavone hosting a Christmas party, probably to the chagrin of one Adam Cole. Yeah, this, I, I'm i sorry. I just, I don't care about this at all. I know they were hanging out at the uh, owner's suite of the Jaguars game uh, over the weekend, which I, I know a lot of people online were saying, oh, my God, why would you go to a Jaguars game? To which a few people said, listen, with enough alcohol, even a Jaguars game is watchable. It's football. You know, people go to events. That's yeah. all. That's all you can say about that. Yeah, I don't really know what to expect for that, but I'm expecting that's supposed to be some wacky humor. But um, I would much rather hear uh, Baker get announced to who she's going to be fighting next for the world title. Well, that might happen. You never know. Something may come out of that. I'm hoping. Uh, you've got the semifinal matchup in the TBS Championship Tournament uh, taking place between Nyla Rose and Ruby Soho. The one thing about this tournament is it should be getting more press than it is. It's been fantastic work. All four ladies have actually are going to absolutely kill this in the semifinals. I'm excited for it. I think Nyla and Ruby is going to tear the roof off the place if they give them enough time. Right. That's the key thing. They need to have time to work. And I'm going to say I'm fully saying Ruby is going to win this one. All right. It's going to be a very competitive match, but I do like Ruby in this. So we'll kind of have to wait to see how this shapes up. But like I said, the final four of this women's tournament is absolutely on point. I can't wait to see these matches, and All I'm right. super excited about this one. Uh, and then the, probably going to be your main event is the six-team ta- uh, six-man tag match you mentioned uh, between MJF and FTR taking on the team of CM Punk, Darby Allin, and Sting. Yeah, like I say, this on paper for nostalgia. On paper, it's like, oh, all right. Yeah, for nostalgia reasons, it's there. But I mean, even even me, the not AEW watcher, seeing MJF and FTR, all right, dig those guys. You know, CM Punk, Darby Allen, and Sting. All right, don't really care for Darby, but Punk and Sting. All right, that's an interesting matchup. You know, on paper it should be good, but. We'll see. Yeah, like I said, I, I want to see a little bit more of it before it's all said and done, but I, I like I'm I'm going with a very low bar for it. So we'll kinda of have to wait and see how it shapes up. Right. But that is was we we're expecting going into this holiday weekend. And they are having a rampage holiday special as well, which okay. is the only take homes you can have. The internet might melt. I'm giving you fair warning now, Pad. Yeah. Hook is returning. Hook has taken on Bear Bronson. So Get ready for that on Christmas Ooh. Day. <laughs> That's Pat's honest reaction whenever he hears about Hook, which is going to be going on Christmas Day, Saturday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on TNT. And the main event Ugh. is one. You're really excited about this, aren't you? Oh, yeah. 
The main event is going to be Sammy Guevara putting up the TNT title against one Cody Rhodes. Oh, goody. So I think we are going to have the Rhodes lander get a belt. I think that they've been kind of patiently waiting to make him champion. If he doesn't come out to red, white, and green uh, pyro, he's dead to me. Oh, you know he's going to come out to some kind of wild pyro. You know it's going to happen. Oh, I know it's going to be wild pyro, but if it's not Christmas colored, he's dead to me. Yeah. We'll have to kind of wait and see what happens, but AEW is lining up a big week to close out Christmas and definitely has some interesting matches that we'll be talking about. So might have to sneak out a blogs count anywhere to recap as well, too. So expecting a lot of big things happening there. But that is the world of pro wrestling as we know it here on the ODPH. If you want more wrestling coverage, obviously 607TWS has a deep dive into all things pro wrestling. Find that on your favorite podcast provider. Also, hit us all up on social media. We'd like to interact and talk that pro wrestling with you. So you know the deal by now. Hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about AEW right now? Are you excited for the holiday specials they have coming up? What matches stand out to you and why? And what is your reaction to Kevin Owens resigning with WWE? And winter is coming. Let's have that conversation, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You know what that sound means? It's another episode of Game for a Movie, where we ask, are you game for a movie? Tell me, Andre. There's no special features on that goddamn DVD. All right? Oh, wow. For Hansel and Gretel? Hansel and Gretel. You have the DVD. Yeah. She basically has sex with it, somehow. Foreplay. Yes. She's chair foreplay. I mean, they knocked out of the park, which is why it's my number three. Oh! Oh. I mean, I wouldn't be in it because this movie doesn't have women. But, you know, you would have one. You would have three lines of dialogue. Okay. So I'm actually going to get, like, I actually get, like, I earn my my, my four sentences of dialogue rather than, like, here, I have a paycheck. You just stood there on the screen. You're a sexy lamp. Anyway, we're not Phoenix, too. Uh, so, no. So no. <laughs> no. 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 Because they really hate each other, so we get to enjoy some wonderful comedic scenes of them hating each other so much that they get into physical altercations that include her biting detective, ex-detective Phillips's dick. Okay. But we don't okay. in a hot tub. I, I know all of those words were English, but the way you <laughs> constructed yeah, them, I'm I, lost. I'm not, I'm not finding their ranges <laughs> on them very well. For those who haven't rated us or uh, liked or given us a review, don't say that we haven't given you anything of value after listening to this podcast. You now know the difference between an R-rated dick and an NC-17 X-rated dick. You're welcome. Thank you guys for listening to Game for a Movie, where we ask, are you game for a movie? We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pad, what you got for that local minute? Got to talk some Binghamton Black Bears hockey news, uh, because looking at the standings, they're still in fifth place with a record of 8-8. Eight and eight. Uh, But they're right there, though. They got Carolina right ahead of them at 8-7-1 uh, in fourth place. Third place is Columbus at 8-5-3. and three. Uh, And then Danbury and Watertown are just running away with the uh, division. Watertown first place with a record of 12-3. and three. Uh, And then Danbury second place with a record of 13-3-1. Uh, looking at their schedule and the couple games they had last week uh friday they were uh away at uh, delaware delaware they where they won by the final score of uh five to three uh five to two uh and then they had a home game uh this past saturday uh where they lost uh to the watertown wolves by the final score of eight to three uh, they have a game uh their schedule this week they have an away game this coming thursday uh 
where they're playing Watertown again. Uh, then they've got a home game on Monday, December 27th uh, at 7 p.m. Uh, where they're playing the Delaware Thunder. More tickets, uh, more info, tickets, and all that good stuff. BinghamtonBlackBears.com. And the Binghamton Bulldogs, a little confusing what's going on, but according to their Facebook page, they are currently ranked number 19 in the ABA Top 25 poll. All right. Albeit, though, according to their post, they're ranked 20, to quote, ranked 18th in the country last week. The Bulldogs went on the road and beat the number 10 team in the country who hasn't lost at home in three years. Wow. And we dropped to 19. That doesn't make sense. No, it doesn't. So I'm not 100% sure what is going on there, but if you want to get your more Binghamton Bulldogs information, BinghamtonBulldogs.com, or check out their Facebook page. And Excite Wrestling will give a plug to Giant Moose and the Boys. They do have a big show lined up January 1st, and they did announce the main event or one of the main events because, you know, Excite has been known to cards to change, and that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. And it was announced that Dalton Castle, who is coming in for the event, we know him from Ring of Honor and obviously in 2CW days and such, is going to be taking on the one and only Dan Barry, who's returning from injury. That's a a good matchup. Yeah, so super excited to see those two go at it at the X January 1st. Tickets are currently on sale right now, but they are flying because, well, it's exciting. Well, so you expect ExciteWrestling.com slash tickets for more information. Or just go to their webpage, ExciteWrestling.com, their Facebook, or you can try to get them a hold on Twitter as well. And uh, we'll kind of see what we can get Johnny Moose to maybe give us a comment or something. He's been he's been hinting he wants to come back mm. on the show. So we got to kind of see what we're going to do with John in the next year. So yeah. you know, stay tuned for that. But we definitely got a shout John. Yeah. And everybody over at Excite Wrestling. So let's round the bases and take the show home, Pad. What you got? Got to talk some NBA Hall or Basketball Hall of Fame news because it was announced today as we record. Uh, you have the uh, first-time nominees uh, for the 2022 Naismith uh, Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame class. Uh, this was announced on ESPN's NBA Today on Tuesday. Uh, one of the main folks uh, on the list for the very first time, Manu Ginobili, of course, was a main part of the San Antonio Spurs dynasty, won four championships uh, along with a gold medal uh, with Argentina in the 2004. For Olympics, of course, he was drafted in the 1999 NBA draft and was arguably one of, if not the best, uh, international players of all time. You know, a huge part of the Spurs dynasty, as I mentioned. Uh, joining Ginobili uh, with the other first-time nominees include uh, Tom Chambers. Uh, he's a four-time All-Star forward, played with six teams, including five seasons with the C- Seattle Supersonics and the Phoenix Suns. And then you've also got uh, Lindsey Whalen, who is a four-time WNBA champion, five-time All-Star. Uh, she won all four of her championships with the Minnesota Lynx, whom she is now the coach for. All right. Uh, also, with the first-time nominees, you have some of the folks in the nomination pool for the Hall of Fame class include Chauncey Billups, of course, the five-time All-Star, three-time uh, uh, or three-time All-NBA selection, was a and Finals MVP and won the 2004 championship with the Detroit Pistons. Uh, Richard Hamilton, uh, also with the uh, 2004 Detroit Pistons. Sean Marion, uh, of course, the four-time All-Star and member of the 2011 champion uh, Dallas Mavericks. Tim Hardaway, the five-time All-Star and uh, or five-time NBA All-Star and five-time All-NBA selection. 
Muggsy Bogues, the 14-year uh, NBA veteran who was the smallest player to ever play in the league. He was only five foot three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Jackson, of course, all-star in 1989 and is one of six players to record 10,000 career assists. Swish Cash, uh, who won the two, uh, two NCAA championships at UConn and three more with the uh, three more championships with the WNBA's Detroit Shock and Seattle Storm. Becky Hammond, the six-time WNBA All-Star and four-time All-WNBA selection. George Carl, uh, who is the sixth all, all-time in NBA coaching victories with 1,175. And then uh, lastly, Bob Huggins, one of six college coaches with 900 or more victory, career victories. Uh, so the class will be announced during the Final Four in the New Orleans uh, for the college basketball tournament in early April, and players will be inducted on September 9th and 10th, 2022, in Springfield, Massachusetts. So, pretty solid list of nominees there, I would yeah, say. That's a very solid list of nominees. So, we yeah. have to wait and see about that. Yeah. So, for my base, I got to talk a little UFC. Okay. So, this past weekend was a UFC fight night, and in the main event, Yo. Oh, the one only Derek Lewis. God damn. Knocked out Chris Dukakis in the first round. It was that was, was a thing of beauty. It was a thing of beauty, but it's Derek Lewis doing Derek Lewis things. This I mean, is, this is true. I, mean, I, I did get to watch the fight because while I did watch the first half of the Patriots game, uh, that fight happened to perfectly coincide with halftime of the Patriots game, mm-hmm. and the fight was over by the time halftime was over. So, fucking phenomenal fight. Oh, absolutely. Yo. No, Derek Lewis is looking prime in form. So where he goes from here is anybody's guess. I mean, obviously. I, I love the quote he had with uh, Bisping after the fight, though, where he did hint at, like, a potential championship fight. But he's like, yeah, they told me championship fights are, are five rounds, and I'm not down for that. So if you want to make a three-round championship fight, I'm in. Otherwise, don't call me. Well, you know, he's not wrong in a certain degree. Yeah. But. Then again, championship rounds, you usually see, you know, the true hearts of champions show up. Not saying Derek Lewis does not have heart because he does have heart. But it's kind of an interesting idea, though. Time, time is money to him. Well, that's the one thing that people always question about, you know, the lengths of the fights. And like in the fourth round, fifth round, if a fighter is really looking in rough shape going in those deep water rounds, as right. we call it, is it a plausible idea? It's 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 bears conversation. I sure. will say that. I'm more pro to have it be five rounds, but I can understand his argument, too, about three. Like, I know he's making a joke, but there is some legitimacy to it. Oh, yeah. So we definitely, you know, have to address that as well. And there is some news we have to address because it's the elephant in the room. Yeah. Unfortunately, with everything going on with the COVID variant Mm -hmm. and Omicron right now, there has been some shutdowns going on yeah. with the NBA schedule. Yep. So, Pat, you got those lined up? Yeah, so you had three games on Sunday postponed, uh, those being the Pelicans at the 76ers, Cavaliers at the Atlanta Hawks, and then the Nuggets at the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, you had one game on uh, Monday uh, postponed, that being the Orlando Magic at the Toronto uh, Raptors. Uh, and then for Tuesday, I believe, yeah, you had the Washington Wizards at Brooklyn Nets game postponed. Uh, those are the only ones postponed as of this recording. So if you listen and go, hey, you didn't mention such and such game that wasn't postponed, that's because it wasn't postponed when we recorded. But so, yeah, you got a bunch of uh, cases breaking out and teams not able to meet. And I didn't know this was a thing. You know, you, you got to have a minimum of eight players mm-hmm. on an NBA roster to be able to play. So for a lot of these teams, they you know, they're having so many cases where they can't field the minimum eight players. And, yeah, there's the G League. But I think for the issue with a lot of teams in the G League, there's like a few that were in Vegas or something like that. 
and and they just couldn't get to him in time and tested and everything else, so they had to postpone some of the games. So it's it's not a good situation right now. No, it definitely is, and we don't want to kind of really talk a lot about it because there really isn't much to say. It's just unfortunately with the state of the world right now, there is a lot of shifting around of games. Yeah. In the various leagues, NHL is shut down through Christmas, I believe. Yeah, and I believe they're also going to uh, not let the players go to the Olympics. They're yes. coming up in 2022. That was just announced that, yes, the NHL is not going to have players involved in the Beijing Olympics. Yep. So you just keep stay tuned to your social medias, obviously, for updates on your team specifically. Yeah. Because it is always changing what is going on in the world right now. So there's a lot of moving parts that are happening. Yeah. So obviously when this podcast comes out, things are going to be changing. We'll be trying to retweet as much as we can. Yeah. And posting on social media. So we'll do our best to cover this as much as we can. But I stress with everybody, obviously, first and foremost, be safe out there. Yeah, be smart about it. Be smart. And keep an eye on your teams, too, because there's a lot of news breaking involving schedules. So. Yeah, yeah. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver said uh, today there's no plans to pause the season, you know, and but they're also the NBA is telling teams uh, specifically for Christmas Day that the game times may shift, you know, based on what's going on. Yeah, so it's just something to keep in mind about, obviously, moving forward with your team. So definitely be aware of that moving forward. Yeah. So that being said, it is locks and leaps time, and it is a fun time of year right now. Yeah. It's been a little crazy. This week in our competition, uh, a lot of people have five and six weeks, which is kind of unheard of. That means it's almost a perfect week of picking. But JT from those East Coast Avengers is hanging on to that lead, even though he's got some stiff competition following him. Obviously, JT is in the lead with 64 points. The one only Padawan J is right behind him, though, with 58. Joey from the So Wizard Podcast is at 57. Rich from 3FN is at 52. Jay West from We Get Dubbed is at 51. I'm sitting there at 50. Mash from Hops Geeks is at 49. Evan the Great from Villains Demand is at 47. Your coach, my coach, the coach, Coach Duffy, forgot to put his lineup in this hey. week. So we'll see if he decides to take advantage of the pad rule. For next week. So 46 he stays at. JVD jumps up right behind him. He's out of last place now at 44. Uh, Brian Wayne from Cheers of Comics is tied with Mac East at 43. I think the other thing we should do too, and I thought about it, but I forgot to pose it to the group, is given what the NFL scheduling changes and as nuts as some things get, I know a lot of folks in our group like to put their picks in before the Thursday night game just because some of them like to pick the Thursday night game. I'm going to say this, and I want to get your idea on this. If if somebody in the group picks a puts their picks in before the Thursday game because hey I got to get it in because you know I'm picking a Thursday game. If one of those teams they pick the schedule changes to like a Thursday or like a Tuesday or a Wednesday type of thing, what do you think about letting them change that based off of hey you know what I don't you know like Cleveland had like seven guys or seven starters not play or something like mm. that. What do you think of giving them that opportunity because hey this team just got hit by you know, a bunch of positive tests and they had to move the game. I want to change my thing to something else different. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we'll put this in the group, but going forward, if somebody does pick a team to win for the lock or the leap, and for whatever reason, that team, you know, the game gets pushed because they got a bunch of positive cases, we will let you pick another game even if you've submitted your, your picks. Yeah, we want to be as fair as possible about yeah. this because, I mean, it's, it's ever-changing what's going on right now. Because, like, I'm, I'm looking at a situation like just – random team out of my ass kansas city you know mm-hmm. like let's just say all of a sudden i go and, and pick you know future week like week 18 or whatever i go and pick kansas city but then 
you know, Tyree Kill's out, and Kelsey's out, and Patrick Mahomes is out, and, well, you know, Edwards Hilaire is out. All of a sudden, I'm going like, well, fuck, I'm not going to win that. That's not exactly fair. Right. No, we definitely want to make this as fair as possible. So I love that rule, so let's put it in the chat as soon as we're done with the podcast. That's how we do things, folks, here at the ODPH. We do it live. So for my locks and leaps, though, I'm going to start with my lock, and that is Tampa Bay. Okay. Minus 11 against those Carolina Panthers. I don't have any faith in what they're doing in Carolina right now, but Tom Brady coming off a loss. Uh, you know he's going to want to put up some points. Uh-huh. So that's kind of what he does. And for my leap, I'm a believer. Okay. The Colts are currently dogs against Arizona. Wow. Now, granted, it's going to be played out west. Yep. Let's see if this Arizona team can really bounce back. It's a, it's a tough competition for them, but Arizona is only favored by a point right now. So I'm taking Indianapolis with the low points. All right. We'll see how it plays out. Pat, what you got? Uh, well, I, we got to say, did not share our locks and leaps. Uh, I agree with you on the lock. I like uh, Tampa Bay, uh, minus 11 against the Carolina Panthers because, hey, Brady coming off a loss. Uh, plus, he's got a, so he's got an axe to grind, and, well, Carolina's bad, and he loves to pick apart bad teams. Facts. Uh, and then for my leap, uh, currently Cincinnati is a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Baltimore, but I think Baltimore's going to be able to pull that one off. I could see that happening, too. That's division. It's going to uh-huh. be tough. I mean, since, uh-huh. he, since he is a little banged up, yep. like I said, they let me down royally this week on my fantasy football teams, but it's all right. I don't hate them. You know, it happens to everybody, but unfortunately, the worst time of year for fantasy. Yeah. So for more information on locks and leaps, make sure you're following the Facebook page uh, for the ODPH. So definitely Facebook.com slash Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. And you can stay tuned on what the rankings are going into the final weeks. It's getting competition. It's getting kind of heavy. So, you know, you definitely want to check that out. So that all being said, the music you heard on this edition of the ODPH is that of Brian Wolf. Brian is coming into town for the holidays. Hey. He has some gigs lined up, so it's going to be fun to go catch him out in public. Hopefully his schedules work out because I definitely want to see him because he's got some new music to play, and I know he's excited to get in, back home in front of the hometown crowd from Austin, Texas, to the 607. Pat, where do I go to find out more about Brian? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the podcast page. You go to the music section. You check out everything going on, Brian. Everything going on with Second Suitor. Who, rumor has it, Tyler Reed from Second Suitor is going to join Rich and I on 607 TWS for New Japan Pro Wrestling Wrestle Kingdom recap on January 10th. So that'll be some exciting news. You can also check out everything going on with Tom Jolu, Floodlands, Yard Party, Second Suitor, as I mentioned. And, of course, shout at the robots who are coming back in a big way in 2022. And I'm super excited about that. Also, while you're at the webpage, swing on over to the directory. Where, Pad, how many links do we have? Like 1,500. It's 1,500. It's growing every day because we're finding more players to put on there for your favorite podcast service. Next is Ham Radio. Yeah, we're working on that. That's no joke. That's seriously going down. So if your podcast platform that you listen to the podcast are on, you can't find the ODPH. You just let us know, and we have it right there. You can just hit boom, follow, and right there you go. It's that simple, folks. Links are working. Everything's a little cleared up. It's a beautiful thing right now. Also, while you're at the website, check out the classified section, which has organizational link support and Black Lives Matter. All the amazing pod groups we are in via their pod chaser pages, friends of the show, and more links supporting our friends over at 8122productions.com. Big things they have lined up right now. So if you want to find out everything going on with them, it's very simple. Links are all right there. All of that. Parlay Points blog section blowing up right now. The T Public Store. Get that ODPH swag. The new designs are selling on like crazy right now, so you definitely don't want to be left out in this holiday season. I'm just saying. All that and so much more. ODPHpodcast.com.
That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Happy holidays from all of us here at the ODPH. And we thank you for listening to the one and only Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. Sometimes I lay awake at night Wondering what life would be like If you weren't taken before your time The lessons you taught me Try to remember, try to engage Sometimes it feels just like I'm staring at an empty page